This episode of The Vergecast is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Have you ever sent out a company tweet with a controversial hashtag? That's not smart, but you know what is smart? Hiring with ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology finds people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply so you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. based on Trustpilot rating of hiring sites with over 1,000 reviews. Now, Vergecast listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Verge. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Verge. ZipRecruiter, smartest way to hire. This episode of Vergecast is also brought to you by Betterment. Here's a question. You have a free upgrade available to you to get an all-new phone, and let's say it's a great phone with no bugs, waterproof, all the bells and whistles. You take that upgrade, right? Now, that's just your phone, but when it comes to protecting your financial future and your personal livelihood through a stable income, in that area of your life, you'd want the upgrade too. At least, you'd never settle for an average financial investing tool. So if you're not someone who settles for average gadgets, why settle for an average investing tool? Now, there's a smarter way to manage your money. It's called Betterment. Betterment is an online financial advisor for people who refuse to settle for average. They use cutting-edge technology to build personalized portfolios and help you make more from your investments. Then they guide you along the way with advice to help you make smart financial decisions. All this for one low, transparent fee. You can plan for retirement, you can reach your financial goals, you can make the most of your money. Don't settle for average investing, demand better. Betterment, outsmart average. Investing involves risk. Vergecast listeners can get up to one year managed free by visiting betterment.com slash verge. That's betterment.com slash verge. Hello, and welcome to Vergecast, the flagship podcast of the future of computing. Whoa. Whatever shape that might take. Is it a screen? Or is it a screen with a keyboard? <laughs> or a screen with a detachable keyboard? Either way, it has USB-C and dongles. I think of it as a magical pane of glass. Yeah. So I'm I'm here. I'm Neelai. Yeah. Dieter Bone is in New York with me. I am. Which I is brought a- all my dongles. <laughs> you really did. <laughs> uh, Paul Miller is here. Hello, Paul. Hello. So this show is basically going to be about three things. I'm just going to straight up with listener. Dieter and I went to the Apple event yesterday. We did. We saw the new iPad Pro. Zuh. Yeah. And we saw the new MacBook Air uh. <laughs> and the new Mac Mini. E. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so we're going to talk about those things. And then I want to talk about the big Foxconn story we did this week because it's, it's my hometown. Yeah. That's where I'm from. Yeah. But let's start with that. Before we begin, I want to remind everybody to go listen to Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's other podcast that's currently running. This week, Caitlin and Ashley talked about why, why people leave the group chat, like literally push mm. the button to abandon their friends. Yeah. That's deep. That's, ex- that's an existential crisis. That show is among my favorites. It's everywhere podcasts uh, are served. Go get it. Listen to it. People love it. You're going to love it, too. Listen to Watch Push That Button. Okay. Apple. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we're talking about. So it was a pretty peppy keynote. They did it in Brooklyn. The Academy, Brooklyn Academy of Music. Academy of Music. The Opera House. A legendary space. Legendary space. They bought the block. So yeah. the space was across the street from an Apple store that they have. Yep. Then they rented out a taco place. Yep. That people were getting free tacos out of yep. before the event. I ate, I ate a taco. That's fine. I, oh, I, got, I got there early because I do. So. Yeah. Look, we've disclosed it. I donate to charity whenever I eat a company food. Anyway. How much do I have to give to charity for this cup of coffee? The value of the cup of coffee. All right. Well, if you know how much one cup of coffee costs. Dollar twenty-five. Done and done. Okay. And then around the corner, they rented out another space that... That was where their big hands-on area was. It yeah. was this cavernous, huge space. They had built a... Platform. Raised platform in the middle. And there was a limit to know how many people were allowed on the platform before it would collapse and kill us all, <laughs> which is a very, very savvy way to limit the number of people that can go into the hands-on area. Yeah. It's like, you can't, just let me in there. No, it's too crowded. It's not that crowded. Also, everybody will die. Okay, fine. I'll wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's smart. Um, and that was basically like they had built another Apple store. Yeah. And then they had advertising everywhere. So just a huge amount of space in downtown Brooklyn yep. taken up by Apple. The keynote vibe itself, like you're saying, very peppy. So it was peppy in part because 
the they they whatever led them to bring it in New York is I don't know, but it, they did invite. I, I want to say they they ran a contest at New York Apple stores, mm-hmm. and the contest was who can cheer the loudest and clap the most. Yeah, and then the people that won that contest got to go. Is that true? And the, the person no, this isn't true. Okay, but. The person who won the I can make your eardrum vibrate like it's going to <laughs> shatter like a champagne glass in front of an Aria was sitting directly behind me. <laughs> it, was, um, it was definitely Apple Store employees, right? Yeah. There were some retail store employees, yeah, yeah for sure. And they were cheering okay. their faces off. <laughs> it was like the loudest Apple event I've ever yeah, and, and And like everybody on stage loved it. Cook, Tim Cook loved it. A uh, bunch of fresh faces on stage, a bunch of new people that yeah. hadn't been up there, hadn't been up there much. Yeah, it was good. It was like a it was a fun event. Yeah, the sort of the iPhone event every year now has this like portent of doom. <laughs> it's like, can we do it again? Will we succeed or fail? The fate of computing rests on this square. Like, yeah, um, I guess a rectangle. This one is like, yeah, dude, this is the Mac. Like, do you, are you happy? We did it. <laughs> uh, and everyone's like cheering. Like it was great. Walt Mossberg was there. Yep, as a guest, he was he's, he's retired. So he didn't hung stop out him from bit. making fun of me in the live blog. <laughs> wow. Walt still has credentials to our live blog software. <laughs> he came up to me afterward and said, "This is a huge security problem." You realize? <laughs> yep. I don't think it is. I don't know. It's just well, anyway. Don't guess Walt's password. So that was fun. It was fun to have him there. Yeah. He was like floating around. But so the news: uh, Tim Cook announced the new MacBook Air. Yep. That was the first thing. He's and he basically did that one. Like super casually, he's like, "What do you want? You want a Retina display? Bye. Here's the Retina display." Uh, <laughs> I, I actually have more thoughts about how he introduced it, but we should let's run let's through the on. show and then yeah. And then he uh, and he brought on other people to talk about it there. And then he came back and said, oh, "It's time for the iPad Pro. We love it." They announced the two new sizes of iPad Pro. Yeah. Then so it was it was MacBook. Yeah. And then it was Mac Mini. No, it was MacBook. The Mac then Mini it was, was the store stuff in the store stuff. And then it was Mac Mini. And then they wanted to put as much space as possible between MacBook and iPad. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it was MacBook, Mac Mini, MacBook store stuff, Mac yeah, Mini. Yeah, so Mac stuff, and then Angela Aaron's came out. Yep. and talked about the classes they do with the stores, and then it was iPad, iPad Pro, and the all, iPad, all, and iPad was, all the time. And then the whole point of this whole thing was to, for me to say that he announced Lana Del Rey. Yeah, which was hilarious and weird. Yeah, uh, and the, the, it was a strange moment to bring out Lana Del Rey, who was like, "I'm not allowed to swear here." Yeah, the title of her record is Norman Fucking Rockwell. Yeah, so she couldn't even say it. Yep, and the, one of the <laughs> which is ridiculous. Uh, she was great. She, uh, Jack Antonoff was there playing the. The harpsichord or whatever he was doing. I think it was just a piano. It's a piano. Anyway, let's, let's talk about these iPads. Yeah, let's just let's do the iPads. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so obviously the big changes are the smaller one has a bigger screen. Same footprint, bigger screen, smaller bezels. Smaller bezels. And curved corners on the screen because it's a liquid retina display. Yes. Mm. And then the, the bigger one... Is the same size screen but a smaller body because yeah. they eliminated the bezels. I've been trying to figure out why they call them uh, liquid retina because you know it's liquid crystal, so that's why. Because the iPhone XR is also liquid retina, and I figured it out. Have you ever seen water except for that one crazy iceberg that sheared off uh, a couple weeks ago? Water never itself naturally forms into a square with a ninety degree edge. It's always just a little bit, you know, rounded. Oh my god! And so anytime a screen is a little bit rounded, it's a liquid. Retina display. I have one of those silicone ice cube trays, and it makes perfectly square. Yeah, but that's not a naturally cubes. occurring event. You have to put it. I on don't the know thing. about that. <laughs> it, it's, it's not a heavy lift for me. 
Okay, so the iPad Pros, screen's different, faster, faster processor, and they're pretty squared off. Like, they don't have a taper on the back anymore. Yeah. I think it's a thing that I will get used to, <laughs> but it definitely felt, I don't know, weird. It, 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 like, holding the thing in your hand, you're like, oh, this is really, like, square. I yeah. don't know. I, I can't put words to my feeling about it. So, look, we're going to have to get them and review them and live with them. Yeah, yeah. Can I just give you my extremely blunt first impression? Yes. It's ugly. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thing is ugly. And I have specific reasons for this. Two. Two specific reasons. One is the antenna lines, particularly on the LTE model, are just crazy. Present. They're there. <laughs> they are, they're, they're big. They're on the back. You know the iPhone... Uh, like six antenna lines, right? Yeah, they did the same. The, mm-hmm. They did the aluminum case, and they had the big plastic antenna lines. Yep. And then by the time they got the iPhone seven, they're like, "Well, we should just make those black." Yeah. They're just like, tr- not draw attention to them. They're they're the they're iPhone six antenna lines. So they're huge. They go across the entire back of the thing. They frame the back. Yeah. So it's like weird. And then on the LTE model, they notch over the sides on different sides of the case. Uh. So one's like top left and one's like bottom right. Right. So that's just like, first of all, what is that? Yeah. Then the extremely square proportion of the thing, Mm -hmm. and then you flip it over, and the 10.5-inch iPad Pro used to have like really tiny bezels on the sides, and then it had the the forehead and the chin. Uh This one has pretty thick bezels all the way around. Okay. It's not as big as the old forehead and chin, but like... It's a uniform bezel. And so Apple's like, it's an edge-to-edge display. And it's like, the edge of what? Because mm-hmm. there's, there's, you can just see it with your eyes that there's a bezel. Yeah. And that, the, I think the, the old iPad, it felt like the screen was like too big for it because of those tiny side bezels. Do you know what I'm saying? It, it felt like you were getting something a little bit more than you should have. Yeah. This one feels like you're holding a reference design. Yes. Oh. I was not okay. I yeah. haven't seen it in person. Obviously, I was not expecting these strongly negative first impressions from you guys. Look, we gotta like use it. Yeah, we gotta try. The it. screens look great. The screen um, is beautiful. The twelve inch in particular, they reduced it. Uh, they reduced the volume by twenty five percent. Whatever. Mm-hmm. The big twelve inch iPad Pro before made. Like, it made a 13-inch MacBook Pro feel small. Like, yeah. it was just, like, herp, herp, huge. Yeah. Herp, herp, huge. It was funny in the way that big things are funny. Yes. Um, and the 12 feels much more like, oh, yeah, this is, like, this is the size this should be. This could, if, I, if this were my main computer, I would be relatively happy. Um, yeah. And I think more people are going to go with the 12 as a result. I think that's a mistake. I think the 11 is better. And there's a huge camera bump. And there's a gigantic camera bump because it has to sit behind the screen – and they told me that this was the same camera as in the iPhone XR. So and say in the same so, wide angle as the XS. Yeah. Big sensor sitting behind the screen, whereas Big. before it lived in the in the channel, the forehead. And you know how on, on like uh, iPads before it was just like a little like I don't know, little metal ring that was black and whatever. Now the the metal of the casing like curves out to it. So it just kinda looks like a like a like a mole, like a wart. Like yeah. a yeah. Mm. It's like it's just like sitting on there. It's it's something. <laughs> None of this to say is that it's like a bad – it's just in the pantheon of Apple products, this one is the most utilitarian I've seen in some time. Yeah. To to me, the just obviously I haven't seen it in person. The aesthetic is it's, – it's the classic Apple move where now I think the old thing is ugly. Yeah. Uh, like, like this looks right to me now. 
you know, my brain has been reformatted yeah. to the new APFS file system. And now <laughs> this is beautiful. And old iPads are uh, like just wrong looking. Yeah. I mean, of course, especially when you see it on the website and it's like they've taken the photos beautifully and the right. in particular straight on the move that they're doing. I th I'm pretty sure. Let me double check is when they photograph because they're still selling the 10.5. Right. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So when you see all three of them, they are doing this. So when you see all three of them together in like the compare iPad models photo, they've picked the black ones for the new ones and the white one for the old one. Oh uh, yeah. So like the bezels are even more apparent to you. Yeah. It's like yeah. I mean these are these are great tricks. I appreciate them. But I don't think people expect Apple to put out things this kind of almost like rugged. Like there's like a it's a tougher product than Apple usually puts. It's out. like it's 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 not characterless, but the yeah not having. Part of it is, I think, just not having the home button. Like, when they added the notch to the iPhone, it added, say what you will about it, and you can say many things, but you're like, you could identify it. It added some kind of character to the thing, mm -hmm. some kind of sense of, like, this is a thing that is has an identity. And if you don't have a home button, which is the thing that gave Apple devices, like, a sense of, like, this is what you are, that you have a sense of identity. If it's just the screen, that's, I think, what makes it feel a little bit characterless. Like, there's nothing when you look at this iPad that tells you this is an Apple device. And I think that that's what you're reacting to. Well, yeah, but it's also the extremely square corners. It's yeah. the antenna yeah. lines. Right. It's the camera bump. Like, all the things that make it seem like, you know, Johnny Ive didn't, stand, like, stand there, like, Molding the aluminum with his hands into a perfect <laughs> organic shape, like Johnny Ive, yeah, there, but was not in any Very of the big presentation videos. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. So that's what it looks like, and that was just my extremely blunt first impression. We have to review the thing; we have to actually use it and hold it. Maybe I'll decide it's beautiful later, and the, the way that sometimes ugly things reveal themselves to be truly beautiful. Sure, mm. <laughs> man. Real hard not to make a joke about your family right now, but I'm not going to do it. My daughter is adorable. your daughter is adorable. For I don't know what wow. the hell you're talking wow. about, sir. <laughs> wow. Just uh, I was going to make a, your mother joke or something. I don't know. My mother's a lovely woman, too, <laughs> Mr. Bowen. <Wow. laughs> this iPad is bringing the worst out of both of you, I think. So much for Minnesota. Nice, man. <laughs> All right. Anyhow, so that's what it looks like. Fine. The stuff inside it is way more interesting. Yeah. So face ID, true death sensor on the front. The camera's, again, identical to basically the 10R. 7 megapixel true death camera system on the front that does face ID. And then the, the 12 megapixel, same wide angle lens as the 10S and the 10R on the back. The, the front face ID stuff works in any orientation. So it can even be on the bottom and it'll work. It can be on the top. You can put it in the, the, in the keyboard case. It'll be over there on the side. It'll work. They've done a bunch of work to when you like do an emoji to like offset the angle that you'll be at. So, you know, when you do like emoji on a phone, it's looking at you and it sees you kind of dead on. But if you like turn the phone, it's coming at an angle. So we've done all this like you know neat Apple recalibration work to make sure all the angles line up. They just turned it. Right. Well, they just know it's over to the side. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. And then when you have it in the keyboard case, you can just like double tap on the space bar and it'll just like light up and see you and unlock, which I think is very cool. Yeah, it's almost almost like I don't know, like it's saying hello and then Windows. <laughs> it's kind of like Windows hello. <laughs> the the pencil is probably the single biggest improvement. Yep. That people will notice. They've gotten rid of the dumb lightning port thing. It's a much nicer pencil. It's smaller. It has like a matte finish. It has a flat edge. Thank it, God. It clips to the side yeah. magnetically, and it also wireless wirelessly yep. charges, which is super cool. The magnet's pretty strong. Not strong enough to lift the iPad uh, holding the pen pencil, but pretty strong. strong Wait, I think you want it. It's 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 strong enough to stay on there, but not so strong you have to fight it to get it off. Yeah. If you could hold what, up the iPad, about? you would try to take it off and like scoot the iPad. No, over. but you could just like. 
push it. You just, mm-hmm. like, like a cat on a thing on a table, just give it a little nudge and it'll twist <laughs> See off. What happens. Yeah. My first thought is if if I'm going to put the iPad into the laptop slot of my backpack, am I just going to be fine? I just snap the pencil to it and then drop it into that slot and I don't have to worry it's going to bop off? I think, yes. You're probably fine. I think yeah. you're probably fine. I think you probably want to put it in so it's like sideways, not so it's like on the top. So it's like sticking right. out. Yeah. And then the pencil is touch is like a passive touch around the barrel. So you can like just double tap it while you're holding it to switch tools. Um, so in the notes app, it'll switch you from the pen to the eraser. There's a couple options there. That's an open API. So developers can do stuff with that double tap. In Photoshop, for example, it will zoom you in and out of the canvas and other apps can, you know, dozens of options available to developers there. And then on the bottom, there's a USB-C port. Yeah. And I will tell you, I drove these people crazy of, of the, the iPad. iPad. Well, the side. Not of the pencil. The or pencil the, yeah, the pencil. has yeah, yeah. no connector anymore, right? It's just wirelessly No charged. connector on the pencil whatsoever. Yep. Right, okay. And right. also, old Apple pencils will not work with the new iPad. Not in theory because it uses radically different technology. Although it's a little bit fuzzy because the Logitech won't work with it. The Logitech crayon yep. won't. But you can't use it simply because in order to pair an Apple pencil with anything, you have to stick it in the lightning port. And there's no lightning <laughs> port. And they told us, like, we're like, what about what if you get, like, some dongles? And they're like, no, nah, it just, wow. just doesn't work. Leave it alone. Just yes. let it go. That was a, a great I, I had a whole buildup to on the bottom of the iPad, there's a USB-C port, and we got yeah. totally derailed back onto the pencil. I tried to bring it back to you by bringing up dongles. I veered yes. us back. I did a little loop. That's good. Flat circle. And now we're in Dongle Town. Dongle Town, USA. Uh, so I will say that I, I think Dieter did this too, but we asked so many questions about this USB-C port yep. at this event yesterday. Yep. Waves of Apple product like, they're all wonderful they're all super nice and very helpful yep. but like just more and more of them had to come by to answer our increasingly granular questions so here's what i know and i apologize for cast listeners i did not bring a tiny printer to the event i'm very sad i feel personally betrayed well i couldn't find one that was USB-C. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought I figured it might be cheating to be a, to bring a USB-C to USB-A dongle and then a USB-A printer so that was like part of my reasoning. My yeah. other part of the reasoning was I assume that it, at some point I'll actually get one and I can do all kinds of dumb stuff. Um, okay. But I did ask, what happens if you plug a printer into it? And an Apple person said to me, this is a quote, I don't know. We'll just have to find out together. So <laughs> we'll just see what happens. Um, uh, what happens when you plug a hard drive into it, Eli? Nothing happens when you plug a hard drive into it. The USB-C port on the bottom of the iPad is there for charging. Uh-huh. Charging other things, uh-huh. which is cool. So you can plug your iPhone into it, it'll charge. It is there for file transfer from camera file systems to? into the camera roll and the camera roll only. Yep. So if you plug an SD card adapter into it, click an SD card into there, it will pop open the camera roll. If you plug, uh, I did this with a Sony A7 camera, you light up a Sony A7 camera, you plug the cable in, you, it, the Sony's like, I'm in mass storage mode, it opens the camera roll. What happens that is the if, only place photos can go. We, we got to come back to this camera roll file thing because I'm very angry about it and Paul is very depressed. So let's just run through a couple more things. Okay. Uh, what happens wait, if – Wait, wait. Okay. Let me just, uh, just want to say the other thing. So it's optimized for file transfer yep. from camera file systems mm-hmm. into the camera roll mm-hmm. and DisplayPort. Right. That's and, it. And so when you plug in DisplayPort, it will just mirror the iPad. Unless the app has been custom coded to be aware that there is another screen that it could do something to, and then it could put something on that screen. So this was very you can't, confusing. Like, extend the desktop. This was very confusing at the event because this is one of the questions we're sort of escalating answers to. This is exactly the same as the previous iPad. Yep. 
So previous iPads had lightning port. You go lightning HDMI, you plug it in a, 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 an external display. They would just sort of mirror the iPad display onto that display. You open something like Keynote or DJ, like one of these apps that has like a visualizer. They are aware of the external display. They can send content to that display. Now with USB-C, it's a higher bandwidth port, so they can drive a 5K display from the iPad, whereas previously you were limited to some lesser resolution. That's it. That's what it can do. I, I, we're going to try plugging in a bunch of stuff. It will also support docks. Um, yeah, so if you so have a USB-C dock. It'll do Ethernet. It'll plug yeah, in Ethernet, USB, HDMI, USB-A, audio. headphone jack. It'll work, it'll work with or without an audio DAC, apparently. We'll build digital and analog audio because there is no headphone jack on this thing, which I can't believe we haven't talked about yet. Here's the thing that is actually a little bit crazy making to me. One of the things I would, in a perfect world, use an iPad Pro for is uh, tethered shooting from a camera. So plug the camera in, and you would like to think that maybe an app, so if an app is allowed to like do custom stuff with the monitor, maybe it could turn on like like Canon could make a tethered shooting thing, and then you know it would just be able to do that directly over USB. Apparently not. Apparently, the only thing that an app can do with the USB-C port is put display stuff out there. It's not able to like read. You can't like if someone was like. Well, screw this. Uh, I'm going to make a, an app that can read a hard drive. No, nope, not right. allowed. That was going to be my first question. Well, there's your answer. It is unclear. The answer appears to be no, but the answer, it's, uh, it's unclear. So if you plug a storage device into this thing, it is not clear if another app developer can address the storage device. There are, there are some iPad hard drive things out there. And they work over Wi-Fi. They work like there, there are products out there that do this. So mm. it's not out of the question. But you have to. Every piece of support happens in a third-party app, not at the OS level, unless it's a camera file system or DisplayPort or MIDI devices into GarageBand. Yeah, just, just think about that, it Paul. Just, it just seems like they have to work to make it this limited. You know? <laughs> no, they don't. They just have to continue to have iOS be what iOS is. Yeah. Let me just say one thing about the camera file system. Th- there's a files app. What if you? What if when you plugged in a hard drive? The Files app had a little new tab on the side, and it was the hard drive. The yeah. hard drive. That's something that was, oh, my gosh, it was minted so long ago. <laughs> it seems so easy. No. How are you going to get your your three gigabyte PSD file? So if you listen to me on the broadcast last week, I said the most annoying thing about the iPad, the reason I can't use it for Lightroom the way I want to, is because I have to round trip raw files through iCloud to get them in the Lightroom. Right? Oh, Paul, you're going to love this so much. So I cannot wait. This is, and just, this, just, to to just, be clear, this is a huge sticking point with all Lightroom CC users. So uh-huh. I go to the event. I'm like, looking at the thing. I'm like, why do I have to use? And they, they had Lightroom CC preloaded on every demo iPad. They're like very proud of it because the iPads yeah. are so fast, which is a thing we should yeah. talk about. So I'm like, why do I have to do this? Why can't I? Why can't I just plug in my camera or a card reader and have Lightroom address the storage device? And they're like, no, we have a great solution. We're so excited. Bring it over. This dude, he's he's waiting to talk to you. Tom's over. He's like, you're gonna love this. This is a true thing that happened. Paul, don't hold your breath right and now. And he's like, you're, you're going to hyperventilate. Adobe has built a Siri shortcut for Lightroom. So you plug in your camera, you import everything into the camera roll, then you close uh-huh. that app, you open Siri shortcuts, and then you've got a Siri shortcut program <laughs> called Import to Lightroom. You push that, it'll shoot it all into Lightroom, it'll apply a preset, you know, like if you have a, a filter preset that you want to do, which is actually pretty cool. Oh, how um, nice. It'll do how that, nice. because that's a thing Lightroom people do. And then it'll go ahead and delete everything from the camera roll. 
Oh and they looked at me gosh. expectantly, and I was like, I don't. They were so excited. I heard about the Siri shortcut four times yesterday. It was demoed to me twice. Yeah. And every time, I didn't want to, you know, it's like their event. It's like, you don't go to someone's party and be like, your appetizers suck. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's like two mom jokes and my apps suck. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. So, so, I, so I just was like, that's great. It's kind of cool. The presets thing is cool. But like, just let Adobe do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So here, I figured it out. Okay. So, you know, the Files app can show like cloud providers in it, right? Yeah. Yep. So you make a fake cloud provider uh-huh. that's called Neelai's Cool Files. And then there's a Siri shortcut that pretends like when you plug in a hard drive that it's reading a camera file system, but really it's actual <laughs> files. And then it copies all of those to your fake cloud provider, yeah. and now you can see them in the files app. None of that is easier than just giving up and using Dropbox what if, or whatever. Yeah, what right? if what if uh, I want to do something with, I don't know, something that isn't an image or a PDF on an external drive? Anyway, so that's the USB-C port. <laughs> Yep. Mm-hmm. All of this is in the context no, but of... There, there, I will say one good thing about the USB-C port. There is a world yeah. where Apple could have layered on the same MFI restrictions that apply to the Lightning port to the USB-C port. They could have been like, it's USB-C, but you gotta, it'll only work if you do the special handshake deal, and then the software has to be pre-approved by Apple, and blah, 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 blah. They could have done that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought they might, but they chose not to. Basically... The only thing that's that will stop a USB-C thing from working in the iPad Pro is whether or not iOS like supports it. So they, and, there's no like any any USB-C compatible dock that conforms to the standards should work with this thing. One one thing I'm excited about is so I have the last gen I, iPad Pro and I got it specifically for doing music stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, but the, the, there's a I've got a whole dongle situation for that, which is like the the camera connector dongle to a USB hub then that I plug in like a, a made for iPhone mic that I could just plug straight into my iPad, but I need to use the USB hub so I can also get a keyboard, but the keyboard draws more power. I forget how exactly it works. I think I power the hub with a battery or or no, I need to have something plugged in so that there's power delivery. So hopefully some of that is is simplified by I could just plug in a USB hub that's powered by USB-C. Yep. Plug my keyboard and mic into that and I should be hopefully a little simplified. Yeah, that USB-C port on the iPad has enough bandwidth to drive a 5K display and like pull files off a camera. Right, yeah. so you can plug you can plug one thing, and they they were like we tested a bunch of hubs. So if you have a hub that has, you know, some more USB C ports, some USB A ports, a headphone jack, HDMI, and Ethernet, that thing should just work. Yeah, assuming it's like built on standards, not some crazy. That's thing. cool. So uh, the USB C conversation to me leads right into the performance conversation. Yeah, and so here the convers- the tenor of our conversation is, I believe, going to radically switch. Because it's exciting? Yes. Because <laughs> this thing, they, slide after slide after slide was the iPad is better than a computer. And I just, the MacBook Air is a computer too. Um, but just over and over, it's like 95% this and 3x that and 15x that and blah, 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 blah. And they showed us some stuff. But this thing is, I believe, genuinely radically powerful and way more powerful than nine, some huge percentage of the Intel they processors that people get in their laptops. Yeah, so A12X processor, which is eight cores. It's four 
performance cores and four high efficiency cores, which they are. And that's what the, the X is that there's more of the cores. What's the difference between the A12 yeah, it's a and the A12 chip. X? It's a bigger chip. Okay. Yeah. So it's 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 more A12. Yeah. The in there, you know, Apple's like, look, our high efficiency cores are actually really fast. Yeah. Right. So like we can and they can light up all eight at the same time. I mean, they're just like very proud of this chip, and they hammered again and again and again and again. This thing is faster than laptops. They actually did not say the word Intel. They did not say the word Intel once during yep. this entire event. Yep. Uh, I think it might have been on screen just one time. Yep. Uh, they downplayed Intel completely. Yep. And they downplayed sort of what the MacBook Air's performance was completely. And yep. The, and then they were like, look at how fast our iPad is. So there's a lot to be discussed there between how they're presenting these things. But the iPad has... The A12X, their best processor, their fastest processor, it can do a lot of things. And they showed, you know, a 3.5 gigabyte Photoshop file in the, the early version of Photoshop, just like doing just fine. They showed us a bunch of neat AR stuff. They showed us some rendering. And the thing that gets me is I would love to have a computer in this form factor, regardless of whether I think it's beautiful or not, but like in this form factor that's small, ultra high performance, has great battery life and a beautiful display. But I can't do any computer shit on it, right? It's like mm. it's an i it's it's iOS on an iPad, and so you can show me Mail running in Split View all you like, but I don't want to use iOS Mail, and so I'm always like living this life of dancing around the limitations of the operating system, even though this chip, by all accounts, is a technological masterpiece. Yeah, if you could hackintosh the iPad Pro, it would be the best Mac portable. Yeah, with, like without question. So that I, I don't want to give short shrift to this chip. Like the graphics are like nine hundred times faster than the first iPad ever shipped, right? Like it's insane. It can do all of these things. Apple's A series processors are so out of control that they just like sliced off a chunk of them to be in Max as the T series chips. Mm. And so the MacBook Air has a T series chip. That is, you know, some variant of an A-series processor, and it has so much additional performance overhead. It's there to just run the secure Enclave and Touch ID, but it has so much additional performance overhead that they just made it more of a computer. It runs the cameras. It runs the image processing for the cameras. Yep. It runs the audio processing for the speakers. Yep. It runs, like, real-time encryption for the disk. Yep. It's just... It's just better at doing that than the Intel processor. This is something I was unclear about during the keynote because they they mentioned T2 and then they said 30 times faster HEVC yes. encoding. It's so Is that it's run so by the much, T2? Yes. Imagine this. The little chunk of the A-series they carved off to run Touch ID is so mm. high performance that it is faster to run video encoding through it on the on the MacBook Air than it is through the Intel chip or the integrated GPU of the Intel chip. I think this puts Apple in a very strong position because you could imagine that like Apple likes to put its customers through painful transitions. You know, hey, we changed the the connector again. Uh, you know, we, we got rid of 32-bit apps. We got rid of Carbon and the, all the OS 9 remnants. You could have imagined Apple putting us through a, a difficult transition to ARM laptops like three years ago. Yep. But now they're in this position where we're basically, I mean, I, that's I'm exactly where you're at. I'm basically begging them, please transition macOS to, to ARM. Yep. Yeah. And they're doing this Marzipan thing. Um, there is, I don't know if this is real or not, if this is a rumor or just some wishful thinking or prognosticating. But there was definitely a bunch of like Mac web people on Twitter over the past week being like, the real trick is that the forthcoming Mac Pro 
will actually yeah. be the first ARM Macintosh, right? Oh, and they whoa. won't. They won't like do a Xeon thing. They're going to take the next series of A processors. They're going to take the next line of A series processors, just run them at full tilt with fans and heat sinks, and say like, "Come at us," which I would be awesome. Uh, I, 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 I no, 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 no. <laughs> they okay. There are reasons that it's still important to have. And to, pro users are the people. Uh. <laughs> wow, I broke Paul. I broke him. Pro users need the software compatibility. You're yeah, still going to have a bit of a problem with software compatibility. P these people want to run Pro Tools, you know, like th they want to run Linux. They want to run like probably like NVIDIA's CUDA stuff. Like, is that like all cross compiled already for x86 or for arm you know like they are what they should do you remember when they we switched to os 10 uh -huh. and uh they ran os 9 apps in like a weird rosetta emulated window thing they should ship a mac with both and it should be really expensive it should be a, a, a and you just work everything in the <laughs> arm processor but then when something opens and doesn't work on the arm processor you just like Boot up a virtualized OS 10 over there, over there on in the, the Intel. And then the Intel chip spins up, and then your battery life, you know, gets cut in half. But until you need it, you have a computer that is stupid fast, compatible with most of the stuff that you do day to day, and lasts for 15 hours. So that is that bad. That's a bad idea. Yeah, don't have it anymore. Okay, Just take that idea and throw I it away. I think it's hilarious and great. <laughs> uh, Paul. So to Paul's point. I hear what you're saying. Right? Pros need their workflow software. They need Pro Tools and Adobe Premiere and whatever uh, Photoshop. But hey, it turns out they just did Photoshop for the iPad Pop -pop. using the same yep. code base. It turns out they yep. just cut down Premiere and put out Premiere Rush CC for the iPad. So Adobe, you know, one of their big partners, is already moving its stuff to the A-series. Look, I think what they're going to do is build a Xeon Mac Pro. It's like the obvious thing that they would do. Yeah. But I think it would be an amazing flex if they're like, we don't have to worry about battery or heat. Like, we lit up the A-series all the way. That would be awesome. And, and it would be a great excuse for it taking this long if they just had it as like a coprocessor. Like, look, all the Apple apps are run so absurdly fast because we offload mo most of the work to an A12XX Bionic. <laughs> A12XS Bionic Pro. Yeah. I mean, here's yeah. where I'm at with the iPad Pro. It starts at eight, nine, $799. Yeah. Really cheap. The one I want would be 11-inch 256 cellular. That's $1,100. And then the keyboard is different this year, and I don't know if I like it better, honestly, which is funny because I've always complained about the origami one. Yeah. Um, well, it doesn't have a like, weird bump. It, like, covers it nicer. Yeah, and but it like, gives you two angles. kind of utilitarian. Kind of boring. Yeah. yeah, and, like, when you, when you flip it, the keyboard around, you have to feel the keys, which is very un-Apple-like. Mm -hmm. Like, very, very, mm -hmm. very un-Apple-like. That's, like, actually kind of sucks. The keys are less fabric-y now. No, that's just, that's, right? that, that, yeah, that doesn't feel I'm just looking different. at the pictures. It continues to be not backlit, which is dumb. Yeah, they're less fabric And it's 180 bucks. Is that what the keyboard cost before? Yeah, everything is more expensive. The pencil is 130 bucks. Yeah, so like it's 1300 bucks. Just shy of 1300 bucks to get like the version I want. Now, granted I want the cellular, which is more expensive. And that's, you know, 1300 bucks is more expensive than the MacBook Air. All right, I'm going to read an ad and then we're going to shift to the air. All right. This week we have Betterment. She's going to tell you all about your personal finances. Check this out from our friends at Betterment. 
10 years ago, the Great Recession sent shockwaves through the global economy. And in that uncertain economic environment, consumers were gripped with fear and doubt. 2008, it was, you know, the Great Recession. People in general had lost trust in the incumbents. And I thought there really ought to be an obvious best answer to the question, what should I do with my money? But there wasn't. That's John Stein, CEO of the financial services company Betterment, which he founded because he felt the economic industry was failing the average investor. Imagine a healthcare system designed with just a shelf of medicine, and you can go and you can take whatever you want, however much you want, but there's no doctors. Just, just figure it out. And I think that's a crazy way to design a system that everyone has to use. I thought, how do we help people make great decisions, put the right kind of information in their hands to help them do better? So along with a team of experts, John developed an online financial advisor that could work for anyone. Maybe you're retiring, or maybe you're thinking about buying a home or having a child in the future. We learn about those things and create goals for you and a financial plan. It's all the things that a great traditional financial advisor might do for you. But financial advisors charge, you know, maybe four times what, what Betterment charges. Betterment, outsmart average. Please remember, investing involves risk. This has been advertiser content from Betterment. Thank you for that note from Betterment. To learn more about their tools, visit betterment.com slash verge. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, my fellow dirtbags and everybody else. Welcome to This Week in Elon. I'm your host, Liz Lopato, and I uh, have a special guest here with me, uh, Kara Swisher. Hello, Kara. Hey, how you doing? You have a step this week in Elon? This is fantastic. I didn't know. I had no idea. Yeah, we do this. We do this every week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This week in Elon. So you spoke with Elon recently, and we've got some clips we're going to share. You were telling me he seems much more relaxed and just on a more evener keel and was working fewer hours. Is that right? Yeah, that's what he said. I visited him on Halloween night. We had a two, uh, almost a two-hour podcast um, that we're publishing. And he said a lot of things. But one of the things I know is I've known Elon for about 25 years. And he's never been as crazy as he was earlier this year. So I was not, I was not unsurprised by it because he's somewhat manic. But forever, he's always been somewhat manic, but he actually was in a much looser frame of mind, calmer, less attacking journalists, attacking people. Uh, none of that. There was none of that. And I think it's because he stopped working 120 hours a week and taking Ambien and whatever, you know, the ups and the downs of doing it, of trying to get that uh, Model 3 off the line. I think it drove him crazy. Yeah. It sounds like things are pretty much evening out with the Model 3, too. You know, he, he, obviously the great third quarter results. Yep, exactly. I think, you know, one of the things that Elon has, he's got a little bit I think he even admits it of a persecution complex. Like he's doing these amazing things, like compared to like all these idiots making photo apps and like, you know, dating <laughs> services, this stuff is really hard. And, and I think he was making that point. And I agree with him. Uh, you know, he, he's building a friggin' rocket to the moon, like or to Mars, excuse me, not the moon, although he talked about the moon too. But I think he's doing very things with difficulty. He puts these challenges in front of him and then he doesn't behave as well as he can when it, when it stresses him out. And that's, I think, precisely what happened. And I got to say, I'm not condoning the things he did when he was under stress. The tweet about funding secure is irresponsible given he's the CEO of a public company. But it, it is what it is. He's an interesting and unusual character. And I think he put that on display in our podcast. Yeah. And you mentioned that he's going to be talking about some of the exciting new products that are coming out from Tesla. Um, you know, the, the truck he especially seemed excited about. And we have a clip here. These new products, the truck, the Roadster, where are they? Yeah, uh, 
I mean, I'm super excited about the future. Do you have another thing you're making? <laughs> we, we definitely do. Do you have a vertical lift and takeoff? The supersonic VTOL jet, electric right. jet. Yeah. Um, Perhaps a hovercraft like Larry Page. I don't know. No, hovercrafts are pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, okay. Sure. But but um, for you, <laughs> a supersonic vertical takeoff landing electric jet would be interesting to do at some point. I mm -hmm. think. But uh, my head would definitely explode if I tried to do that right now. Yeah, I think um, so. But I've been thinking about that design for nine years. All right. I mean, I wrote down some of it, but... Um, but the it, truck there, there is was, like, more immediate, things. the yeah, yeah. roadster? Yeah, the, I, I think like what fires me up about Tesla is like I think we've got the most exciting product roadmap of, of any company in the world. Okay. Um, you've got the Model Y, which is the midsize SUV. You've got the uh, semi-truck, uh, which is uh, going to be great for, uh, you know, the really heavy transport it'll, mm -hmm. it'll be like the heaviest class of truck of, of industrial truck uh, we've got the next generation roadster which will be the, the fastest sports car on on every dimension fastest acceleration mm -hmm. fastest uh, top speed uh, best handling um, it, it, the, the goal with the Tesla Roadster is to show that an electric car can be the best sports car on, on every dimension. Mm -hmm. I think that's very important to kind of get rid of this like halo effect that gasoline cars sports cars have where the pickup or the the more. Well, like, 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 still, like, say that the, the fastest top speed cars in the world are still gasoline sports cars. Mm -hmm. So I think we, it's important to have an electric car that is faster, electric, electric sports car that's faster than the fastest gasoline sports car, mm -hmm. and it, it helps address that sort of halo effect that um, gasoline sports cars have. Um, so I think it's important to to do that to show that you know electric is the best uh, architecture. Mm -hmm. the, then we've got uh, the, the the pickup truck, which. Actually, I'm personally most excited about the Why pickup. Why is that? Well, I can't talk about the details, but it's going to be like a really futuristic, like cyberpunk Blade Runner pickup truck. Okay. What does that mean? It's going to be awesome. Okay. It's going to be amazing. Who are you trying to sell that to? People who buy F whatever? You know, I, I actually don't know if a lot of people will buy this pickup truck or not, but I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I do care eventually, you know, like, sure, I care, you know, like, we, we want to get, you know, get gasoline and diesel pickup trucks off the road. Right. Um, and, but if, like, if I find, like, you know, like, I'm personally super excited by this pickup truck. Cause it's, it's, it's something I've been wanting to make for a long time. I, I really want something that's, like, super futuristic, cyberpunk, um, which, if there's only a small number of people that like that truck, I guess we'll make a more conventional truck in the future. But it's the thing that I am personally most, most fired up about. It's going to so have a lot of titanium. Mm -hmm. You know, people will eat this stuff up because, you know, it's space rockets and cars and trucks. So, you know, especially his uh, male fanboys, I think they'll go crazy for it. Not that women don't like space and trucks. Some women don't. Um, he talked about SpaceX and putting uh, astronauts on the uh, space station. He talked about a lot of stuff. He talked about liking Donald Trump's Space Force, the idea of it. Um, he does not want to make a scooter, just newsflash. I will think about buying an electric car. Probably not. I'm not going to try. I mean, make a scooter. Make a scooter and I'll go for it. They actually, they are electric. What am I talking about? They're electric. I, I don't know. Like, you know, there was like uh, some people in the studio wanted to make a scooter, but I was like, ah, I, I love the scooter. I know. No, get it's on like the scooter. Lacks dignity. No, it it's doesn't like lack dignity. Yes, they do. They don't what lack dignity. What are you talking about? I guess I do it all the time. I look fantastic. No, you do not. I, I, you are under laboring under an illusion. Well, I think I look good, <laughs> and therefore this is an illusion. It lacks dignity. All right. Well, let's everybody at Lime. Don't worry, Elon Musk's not coming. Bike. I think we might do an electric bike. All right. Okay. Yeah. So it was good. It was a very rollicking interview. I think, you know, his critics won't like it so much because, he, you know, he, he was in a jolly mood. And, uh, uh, you know, he's still got a lot of critics around what he did around the funding secure. We talked about the Saudis, about what happened there with the uh, funding. He still sort of wants to go private. You, you know, he talked about why he did, and he still seems to be longing for that. 
ability to get rid of the short sellers and things like that, his doubters. So it was a really interesting interview. And um, it's a lot. There's a lot there. There's a lot there to unpack. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, this is only five, like a short segment. And this, the interview itself is going to be something like 80 minutes. So 80, he, he kept talking. It was supposed to be 45, but he just kept talking. So I kept listening. <laughs> Well, that sounds great. Thank you so much for stopping by, Kara. I really appreciate it. No problem. I hope you enjoy it. And it'll give you weeks of pleasure of Elon, all about Elon. There's lots you can pull apart, okay? (laughs) All right. right. Thanks very much. Thank you. All right. Yeah, for two hundred dollars more, (laughs) we saw. I actually we saw Joanna a lot this over the past few days. and that was her catchphrase. Every time she reviewed an Ultrabook for us or yep. previously for Engadget, uh, she was like, for $200, you can get a MacBook Air, you should get a MacBook Air. Uh, Steven Sanofsky, who ran Windows for a long time, was tweeting at her just recently that he was he would pass around her reviews inside of Microsoft yeah. to be like, this is the reason we need to push into Surface. Yeah, she specifically, for The Verge, wrote an article that the MacBook Air is the best Windows laptop. Yeah. And maybe it was this is my next, but that article exists in the world, and it was true. Yep. Uh, the MacBook Air was the best laptop for most people for easily five straight years. Yep. And then it just they just they they, they just they, let it go. They stopped thinking about it, and they're like, "What if we made a really tiny underpowered laptop, and then a really big laptop, and put crappy keyboards on them, and a little touch bar thing, and uh, made everybody real mad? What if that was the strategy for the Mac, and and it didn't." It didn't work. <laughs> and Neil I has a 2015 MacBook Pro <laughs> with, with a completely overpowered GPU for what he does with it that can't be turned off and kills its battery. And so, the, But there has been a gaping hole. Everybody who just wants to go buy a good Mac that is like thin and good and fine, a mass market consumer MacBook, has been mm-hmm. MIA until today, yesterday, whatever day you'd listen to this. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's back. Now it's back. And like literally they introduced it with everyone loves the MacBook Air and all you wanted was a retina display. So here mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, it was like all right, you filthy ingrates. <laughs> you just yeah. you've been bugging about us for so long. Fine. Yeah. Here you go. And so the way they're like, they're like it has the iconic wedge shape. I'm like, that's not why people like loved it. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it is there is part of me that's like, oh, it's just a it's just a thirteen inch MacBook escape, but they made it thinner. But There's a real part of me that feels but that But the differences – so like Apple over and over and over again wants to compare it to the Air. And it's this much faster and this much better and this many more pixels on the screen and the touchpad is bigger and yada, yada, yada. Um, and sure. But I think the better comparison, the more honest comparison is to compare it to the 13-inch MacBook Escape, the the, the MacBook Pro with the, without the touch bar. And by that comparison, uh, things are a little bit dicier. So it is – a little bit thinner, a little bit lighter because it's tapered. Um, the screen is not as bright because it maxes out at 300 nits. Uh, it has the same two USB-C slash Thunderbolt ports, so that's great. And then the processor here is a dual core. I think it's 1.6 gigahertz. I forget what it supercharges up to. Why seventh seventh generation? Eighth mm-hmm. generation? Eighth generation. Eighth generation. I mean, they're sorry. like legitimate like size of relief from the audience. When like yeah, eighth, when generation eighth, generation. eighth generation. Sorry, I, I, I knew that. Um, uh, but it's a dual-core Y-series Intel processor, not the more powerful U-series. And so people are flipping out, and uh, they may or may not be right. I don't know. The weird thing about this processor is, you know, Intel. <sighs> I many angry feelings about Intel. I Actually, I have a whole rant that uh, Intel has single-handedly held the entire 
computing industry back uh, and has has, mm-hmm. has kept us all from having devices like the uh, iPad Pro be everywhere all the time. But this Y-series processor that's in the MacBook Air, the new one, was a mystery because people were like, what is this chip? Blah, 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 blah. And then finally, it like some white paper came out. Somebody found it from a non-tech, I think. And uh, normally, this Y-series processor is uh, powered at 5 watts. TDP or whatever. This one is seven. So it's a Y series processor, but don't get mad because it's a special like Apple edition of yeah. it that can be handle a little bit more power and they're going to have their own thermal profile for it. And, you know, they probably get like the best stuff off the bin, you know, the real center of the wafer or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. But okay. So they, that's, that's, uh, you the heard claim. that. We you heard that. And I heard to... that. And I've been thinking about this ever since. Yeah. So like they're, you know, they're at the Intel factory and I don't know, Johnny Shruji's there. He's like, I want that one and that one. And they make so many of these. This is a mainstream product. This is going to be the most popular Mac. So saying we get, we just get the best ones. They have to make so many more best ones. Like I, I just, I don't buy it. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway. Yeah. But this, so, is, this will be one of the world's most popular laptop computers. It- by all rights, should be. So the the thing about it, and I was real mad about this first. So we talked to a bunch of people about it, uh, other journalists and analysts at the event. So it starts at eleven ninety nine, so twelve hundred bucks uh, for I think it's eight eight gigs of RAM and two fifty six no one twenty eight of storage. I don't know, whatever. It starts at twelve hundred bucks and one twenty eight of storage. Part of me is like, you shoulda like I, this. This computer is worth twelve hundred bucks. Yes, yes, it is. It, it like whatever, it, whatever. However, the processor shakes out, it'll be more than enough for most people. Um, and it has the Retina display, and like you finally released a modern MacBook Air. Good job, just calling it the MacBook Air and not overthinking it. Yeah, that was the right move as well. This computer is worth twelve hundred bucks, but maybe you should have made a thousand dollar computer instead. Yeah, but and and so someone remind, maybe it was you. Someone reminded me like we've never made a thousand dollar MacBook Air at. The first time we released it, it always it comes down over time, and people got used to a thousand dollar MacBook Air existing. Mm-hmm. But the so mm, next year, you know, the very first MacBook Air was like twenty eight hundred dollars or something crazy. It was insane. And then when they released the one that was like it was truly eight, good, eighteen hundred, was I think. yeah. So like the the wedge shaped MacBook Air, the one that everybody knows, uh, came out at a higher price point, and you know, it's been a very long time, if ever, that Apple has released like a brand new laptop that cost a thousand bucks. I mean, people are going to get their money out of stuff. The price thing to me is just, it's the same as ever. But so the the price thing is different now because the world is different now. When the MacBook, the first MacBook Air came out, it was um, like a holy crap, look at like the future that could possibly exist, but I certainly don't want to buy it now because the thing breaks in half if you look at it funny. The second generation MacBook Air was holy crap, this thin and light future exists now. And this is amazing. It is so much better than anything else that's out there. And then Ultrabooks came along and they like figured it out and they iterated and got better. And they just kept on putting the new Intel chip in year after year because they actually did that because Apple didn't. Who knows why? Um, and now this new MacBook Air is on par with the rest of the laptop market, at, I think at best. Like it's probably, you know. The, put the whole package together. It's probably higher quality. I don't know. We're going to review it. We're going to see. Um, but it is not a category apart from the rest of what the laptop world is doing right now. It does not feel yeah. like, oh, Apple just jumped ahead three years, like the, right. the Ma- old MacBook. So here's two comparisons. The Microsoft Surface laptop. Yep. Seems like a meaningful competitor. Yeah. Uh, $1,000. Mm-hmm. Dell XPS 13, $1,000. Yeah. Both with U-series processors, I believe. Um, Maybe not. I don't know. Whatever. The Apple actually took a shot at the Dell 
on stage. They took a lot of shots. They took a lot of shots, but they took a particular shot at Dell where they were like, and it has a FaceTime HD camera above the screen where it belongs. Yeah. And like the four people in the world who have like had a video conference with an XPS 13 were like, ooh, and everyone else was like, yeah, that's where it belongs. Did someone else think otherwise? <laughs> <laughs> so those are good comparisons. So the question is, is Mac OS worth 200 bucks to you? And the answer for most people is yes. Yep. Right? Like, for most people, it's still better. Now, would you like to touch your screen? <laughs> no. So it's like that. Like I don't know. These are the. These are the, You're now making these kinds of decisions. Well, like, would you like to touch your screen? Would you like to have something other than the pretty garbage Photos app on the iPad pop up when you plug in a hard drive? <laughs> right. Like those are the questions. But the uh, it's a super hard comparison. The iPad. I I enjoy using the iPad Pro way more than I enjoy using my MacBook Pro right now. It is just a more fundamentally nicer experience. You're crazy. But I can do way less with it. Yeah. Yeah. If you had to give me one of these computers on a desert island, I would take the MacBook 10 out of 10. Yeah. And that would be sad because it can't do so many things. Like, it can't, like, you can't post an Instagram story from a MacBook, right? Like, there's, like, stuff it can't do. Yeah. But you, you can post an Instagram story from a Chromebook. <laughs> Technically, you can. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. We spent five years dunking on Windows Phone and uh, you know, what whatever replaced the Nokia phones, like Sailfish, whatever, and just yelling at these phone companies for not supporting Instagram and not having the apps. And now we could do that to the, the Mac. Mac. <laughs> That's crazy. Tom. Um it's crazy. I, look, it, it's a it's a we're gonna have to get it, we're gonna have to review it's all the same stuff. Yeah. It is very much the MacBook Air that people wanted. Yep. It is one of the few times I can like point to where Apple just had to respond to market demand. Yeah. Right? Like their Mac lineup was not doing what they wanted it to do. People nope. were not buying the MacBook Escape. Nope. People which are is, buying the little MacBook, which is a ridiculous product now, by the way. <laughs> I love it. I love it, but never buy it. <laughs> uh, and they people wanted the mainstream consumer laptop, so Apple had to deliver it. Yeah. And that is, okay, what, that, uh, I'm glad it's here. What, what's confusing to me about that is, duh, <laughs> people want a mainstream consumer laptop? What a, what a country. Like, come <laughs> on. And the number of people who use these things. Or just like every everyone who isn't trying to do MacBook Pro stuff mm -hmm. wanted an Air. Yeah, and like so many people bought uh, like 13 inch MacBook Pros just like and are salty about it. They're just like, well, I guess I got this thing now, and yeah. now like they're and yeah, it so. doesn't have the iconic wedge shape. That's, what, that's a, look, uh, you walk these streets. Uh, you, you're in New York, and people are just like, <laughs> you walk these streets. <laughs> I wish it had this iconic wedge shape. <laughs> That's the, how they the talk. Big, the biggest question mark for me is performance. So I've, I've yep. got like a 2015 13-inch MacBook Pro, like before before the the keyboard apocalypse. And um, this, I, I can't ever buy, I want this MacBook Air, but I can't buy it if it's slower than my current computer. Because then I'd feel like a big demo, right? And so, you know, What's a Geekbench score on that computer? Do you know? You know the first no digit? No. Okay. I think the first digit of the single core is going to be like four on this one. The it's that doesn't mean anything to me. It has. It just has. It has to be actually a faster computer. And and like to Dieter's point, you know, the Surface laptop it is U series. 
It's cheaper. Also, it's uh, on an offset release cycle. You know, Apple just released a perfect computer for somebody going to college. Yep. Uh, like a month and a half after they started going to college. Yes, they did. Microsoft is on released the Surface laptop in June. So if they update it, you know, early next year or mid next year, they're going to have a better chip and still likely cheaper. You know, obviously, MacBook Air runs um, a great little operating system I, I like to call Mac OS. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, that's all it's got going for it. I mean, it looks beautiful. It's real simple and stuff, but it, it's, I think it's, too, I feel like it's too late. I don't know. You know, it's, it's still, it's going to be very, it's going to be very successful, but it's, it's too late to, to be, uh, like Dieter said, it's not a uh, category defining anymore. It's not a, a world apart. The too late question is interesting because the MacBook Air was the default, right? It was the thing right. everybody had. And so the question is, can this thing reach that default status before Intel, uh, falls into the ocean, <laughs> or the iPad gets powerful uh, enough to be It's called the Ocean default. Lake, Dieter. <laughs> yeah, yes. Unequivocally, yes. You think so? Yes. W no questions asked. Right. It is an Apple product that's slightly more expensive. It is beautifully made. Yeah. And there are certainly Windows laptops that are beautifully made, but this one is beautifully made. It has... Apple's aura about it. It runs yep. an operating system you can't get anywhere else. Yep. You know, the, the Touch ID thing is, like, sitting there for Apple Pay if you have an iPhone. Like, it's just going to – like, the compromise you have to make with the XPS 13 is the camera is in a stupid position. And it's just, like, there. It's just, like, a compromise you have to make every time you use that laptop. Yeah. The compromise you have to make with the Surface laptop is basically none except unless you want this operating system. Right. So, like – of course, like it's just gonna be that I, I thing. Mean, oh, also, uh, Microsoft doesn't sell any of them, right? Like, yeah, well, it's un it's unclear uh, where the Sanofsky, Stephen Sanofsky had a good tweet, a series of tweets about questioning or like just trying to figure out where those numbers were, where like Microsoft has what, zero point three mm -hmm. whatever, uh, and Apple and the iPad sold more than everything else. I don't know the new iPad Pro in terms of like a thing that has potential to like be genuinely new and category defining and what is this thing and oh my god look at all the new ideas and look how powerful it is and blah 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 that's what the macbook air was you know a decade ago and this new macbook air has none of that juice and that's why in the live blog i kept on making jokes about how it was really sad about how apple spent so much time making fun of computers next to the ipad because the macbook air is one of those computers I mean, yeah that's the, just that, that's the reality of distortion field what were you saying paul yeah the the um it is it, it, it did feel like they were dunking on the macbook air by proxy, for yeah. sure. I, I felt that as well. But uh, one of the cool features that this MacBook Air has is when you plug a hard drive in, you can see the files on it. Yeah, yeah it's a computer. But the default 128 gigabyte storage, I mean, I've suffered through two small SSDs for a long time. Like, it, it's, it just feels so, it just feels so limiting. And it, and so, so you, you're going to want to upgrade this like you're gonna want the the fourteen hundred dollars SKU or something like that. Yep. Like at that point, the 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 alternative laptops that you can get are are you can really spec out a a, a much better Windows computer for twelve hundred dollars. It's yeah, it's fourteen hundred. You still get eight gigs of RAM. If you want to go to sixteen, yeah, you gotta I, spend more. Wait, hold on. I I think the people listening to this show are aware of this. I have been hypercritical of Apple for the past however long, right? Yeah. 
there's no world in which saying you can spec out a better Windows computer for the money is a winning argument against an Apple product. That has been true since 1994. No. There was a phase, the, the MacBook Air Ascendant phase was the same phase that's like, wow, I did the math and it's pretty much the same price spec wise. And <laughs> yeah, it was bonkers it was because you're right. There was for, yes, yeah, since 1994 or since all time, it's been cheaper. You can get better specs for cheaper on, in the PC world. And uh, and then we, we, we've been through a little bit of a drought where that's not true with Apple's laptops anymore. And yeah. I don't think this changes that. I don't think it changes either. I think, but in terms of experience that you're going to have with a laptop, it's still like a winning experience. There's a reason I'm using a 2015 MacBook Pro instead of Windows laptop right, right now. It's because my entire workflow is geared around this operating system that I prefer. And I think the people yeah. using MacBook Airs right now who've been desperate for an upgrade, they're just going to buy a new one. I mean, it's frust like if you're like a uh, if you're a Virtcast listener, if you're us, it's frustrating to know that Apple's gravitational pull is just is is like it obliterates your reference frame. Yeah. Right? Like everyone's reference frame is their MacBook Air that hadn't been updated, that didn't have a retina screen, that had giant bezels, that had old processors, that had old I.O. And then they're gonna get this thing and be like, what a huge upgrade. And you're like, no, they didn't give That's you true. enough, but it doesn't matter. Right. And that every year at the iPhone review, I go through the same thing where I'm like, the Pixel camera is better, but everyone really just has an iPhone 6. So this is going to blow their, like, you know what I mean? Like, that is right. just like the Apple universe. So, and for those people, so, they're going to be really happy. So, yes, I, 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 you're totally right. A lot of people are going to be very happy with this computer. All I'm saying is it could be either cheaper or better. Yep. <laughs> the Verge cast, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, also, <laughs> Apple Apple remembered the Mac Mini existed. And oh, yeah, they they did all the stuff that they should have done. They put desktop one. chips in it. Yep. Uh, uh, they, they're using removable RAM, I believe, on SODIMS, which is a thing. Yeah, but they're, it is it is soldered uh, storage on board now, yeah. so whatever. Uh, the, I, and the I, Mac, actually, I'm not mad about that. The Mac Mini has USB-A ports, mm -hmm. which is adorable. Yep. Uh, that thing Cute. is, I want one. It's like, that's of all of the things they announced, it's like, that's the one that I'm going to invent a need for. You yeah. know, like, I didn't, I didn't look at the iPad Pro and be like, I'm going to learn how to illustrate today. Like with the Mac Mini, I'm like, I should build a home theater PC. I don't know why. It's just like <laughs> well, where my brain what went. You, what you what the Mac Mini is great for is you 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 have a MacBook Air, but you want to offload uh, your uh, compile yeah. your Xcode yeah. compilation to to the Mac Mini. They showed maybe, uh, at the hands on they had a Mini stack of Mac Minis doing that. Remote into it in a oh that's that's the answer to my arm my MacBook Pro arm thing is you're you, they're just gonna stop selling MacBooks and they're just gonna tell you to buy Mac minis and then you'll remote into it uh, via, you know. Yeah. VNC, VNC is the future of Mac yeah. OS X. Yeah. Uh, okay. We're going to take another break. Everyone breathe. I'm going to read an ad. Okay. Mm and we're going to spend just 10 minutes talking about what Foxconn is doing to my hometown. And we're going we're gonna to be done with this thing. Okay. Hey, everybody. I want to tell you something really cool that The Verge is doing. It's called Better Worlds. Everything today is so dark. The news is dark. The movies are dark, the superheroes are dark, the TV shows are grim. So we're trying to clear all that away uh, with a project we're calling Better Worlds. Basically, we hired, this is true, 10 science fiction writers to write us positive science fiction to imagine better worlds. It's a huge project, so we have 10 stories on the site, we have a bunch of animated videos that will go up on the YouTube channel, and most excitingly, we're having those stories read to us on a new podcast feed, the Better Worlds podcast feed. Okay, yep. Paul. Uh huh. Every week, 
you do a thing. Without fail. Same name, which is... Always this... It's called First to Fold. <laughs> All right. All right. So we've been hyping this rumor. I don't even... It's not really even a rumor. Samsung seems like they're coming out with a folding something. Yeah. Hey! I mean, they keep talking about but, it. Yeah, folding something. But be, but before Samsung's folding something, uh-huh. uh, a complete unknown company named Royal... Wait a minute. Let me back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. What is this segment called? First to Fold. Okay. Wait, do you have do you have a a, a, a folding predecessor that I, I'm unaware of? Laptops. No, but the screen oh. didn't fold. Okay, fair. Yeah, we're talking about folding screens here. I'm sorry, I wasn't very okay. clear. So this uh, the FlexPi is like a it's like a tablet, but then it folds with the screen on the outside, Ooh. so that you're holding. It, it's just so dumb. <laughs> um, but yeah, just look it up and. It's so it's every it's as bad as you can imagine folding phones will be. And I I I still have no idea how Samsung or anybody's going to make a folding screen because the big thing with folding screens is you can't put a crease in them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cuz so they they don't fold flat, so they're always going to be dumb and bulky until somebody solves that problem. Uh, this device is just hilarious and and wonderful, and maybe it's going to ship in I think uh, December. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if this is the first ship, first to fold. I uh, like it. It's going like to be it a about a thousand ish dollars. Okay, I'm in it. Let's get it. Flex Pie. What's the other? We covered For- another really dumb phone this t- today. <laughs> the one with dual screens to get rid of the notch. Oh yeah. Oh. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, there's a screen on the back, so when you take a selfie, you can see here because there's there's no front facing camera to get rid of the notch, so they put the uh, an extra screen on the back, uh, which is awesome and hilarious and probably not the ultimate solution to notches, but I like it. What was this phone called? I'm trying to find uh, it. Oh, the Nubia X. Yeah, it's it's horrible. Okay, I want to talk about Foxconn just for ten minutes before we go. So hey, where is where is that new factory located? So you might remember uh, the state of Wisconsin. I don't call it Wisconsin. My home state. I I call it Wisconsin Valley. Oh God! Announced a few years ago <laughs> mm-hmm. that it would. It, Scott Walker, the governor would, of Wisconsin Valley, <laughs> Wisconsin. <laughs> Paul Ryan, my parents' uh-huh. representative in Congress. Yeah, and that's we struck a deal with Foxconn Hooray. to build a huge factory in Wisconsin. Yay! And then a little bit later, it came out that it would be in Racine County. Hooray! I'm from Racine. And further, in a, a village in Racine County called Mount Pleasant, which is where my house is. Okay. So that's where I grew up. So they're building the factory on your house. <laughs> so they're coming to town. It's on Highway 20. It's like I've taken the exit off of I-94 10,000 times my life. So like, that's horrible. And then it came out that they, they were going to write a $3 billion subsidy for Fo- to Foxconn in exchange for this, like, $10 billion factory. Uh-huh. Scott Walker, the governor, is like very proud of the fact that he makes all of his deals in the back of napkins. This is true. Mm-hmm. He's always like, I wrote it on the back of a napkin. It's got to be good. So he like, wrote this deal with the CEO of Fox on the back, famously in the back of a napkin. Okay, well, I haven't heard anything about it. Yeah. All right, we like, covered it. I laughed about it. And Donald then, Trump took credit for it. Donald Trump way. was recently in Racine. He had a picture with a shovel. Yeah. It's on the website. You can look at it. He may um, have been confused and thought that they were Apple Jobs briefly. He definitely thought it was Apple. Kanye West was like, the Foxconn deal is so great. I mean, like, this is a shining star. Yeah. Okay. So no one's paying attention to it. Foxconn's in my hometown. Great. This is true. This is how the genesis of the story that's on our site. My parents 
We're coming to New York to visit Max. We're very excited, seeing the grandkid. Yeah. Love her. They're supposed to land early on a Friday, spend the day with her, and we get this call, hey, we're going to be really late. We missed our flight. Huh. And my mom goes, it's all of the traffic from Foxconn. Wow. Because they, they have to widen I-94 to I-94 they have to widen? They're widening I-94. I-94 is a major freeway. It's not <laughs> wide enough already? No. They have to widen I-94 oh my God. to support Foxconn. Wow. So it's under construction, and right now it's cut in half. So all of the traffic, both directions, are now on one side. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. There's actually, you can see it. We ran a photo of it in our piece. Yeah. So my, my parents missed it. Can we just talk about Midwestern road construction <laughs> yeah, problems for lot. the next 45 it's minutes? Because I have so many feelings. <laughs> anyway. So I was like, oh, I hadn't heard anything about Fox in a long time. It hasn't broken out in like national press. So I go looking. I'm like searching. Uh, and, you know, like the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel is doing a great job of covering what's going on at FoxCon. Uh, little local sites are doing a great job with covering what's going on at FoxCon. Like, it's being covered in the region. And what struck me is if you just read a lot of that coverage, yeah, it adds up to a disaster, right? Right. So I was like, okay, this is my hometown. They're, like, doing something bad. So we, we found a, a local freelancer, this guy named Bruce Murphy he's in Milwaukee. He's been a longtime journalist there. Hired him to write this piece, hired a photographer, go take some pictures of the Fox Hunt site. The walls are up at the factory. So let me tell you what – so that's the genesis. Literally, my mom missed her flight to visit Max, and I was like, we should write a story I must about get Fox revenge. Because it's home. It's <laughs> my hometown. So let me just lay out the chronology of what's happening with Fox Hunt Wisconsin because it is crazy, and we left stuff that is even crazier out of this story. So <laughs> the first thing that happened is years ago, Scott Walker and the Republican – government of Wisconsin passed a law reducing state taxes on manufacturers to zero. They're close to zero. Mm -hmm. Just keep that in, in your mind. That happened. Then they signed a deal with Foxconn to give them $3 billion in tax subsidies, but they already pay no taxes. So they are writing Foxconn checks, right? The tax subsidy, they're just giving Foxconn billions in cash, which will be paid that cash comes from the people who work at Foxconn because they pay their state taxes. So this is just a circle of weird money. So they give them $3 billion in cash. Then uh, the, the city and county governments gave Foxconn additional subsidies. So now the total subsidy is up to $4.1 billion, some enormous portion of it paid to Foxconn in cash. This is for a factory that is supposed to be a generation 10.5 LCD plant that will build panels for 75-inch LCD televisions. That's the deal. That's on the napkin. So $4.1 billion for 13,000 jobs is like $300,000 a job. Wow. <laughs> it's like that's, that's bad math right there. Like you can already tell. There's economists who are like the state of Wisconsin will never get this money back. It's gone, but whatever. Oh, and they waive environmental protections on Foxconn, let them build all this stuff. They also allow them to pull 7 million gallons of water out of Lake Michigan every day, up to 39% of which will, is, uh, will evaporate. So, like, the other states in the, great, in the Great Lakes region might sue Wisconsin because this violates the Great Lakes compact. But is it, aren't they actually not building 75-inch Yeah. So then, okay. in order to build the 75-inch pieces of glass, Foxconn had hoped Corning would build a factory there, because they need the glass to be closed, because they can't move huge sheets of glass. And Corning says, oh, we want a subsidy, too. And Wisconsin says, no, we can't do We just did No, absolutely. So Corning says, we won't do that. So they scale the plant down to a Generation 6 LCD plant, which requires only $3 billion to build, not $10 billion to build. And they say... Actually, we're not – this is true. This is in our story. We're not even that interested in television anymore. By the time this plant is up and running, 
uh, China will supply the world's television needs. We're looking to build, say it out loud, we're looking to build an AI 8K plus 5G ecosystem in Wisconsin where the good people of Wisconsin will help us find uses for LCD display technology, including healthcare and self-driving cars. All thanks to Donald Uh, Trump. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, Foxconn has played other states, AI, to be clear. AI 8K plus 5G. And I'm sitting here. No, no, no. We cannot... Walk away from AI 8K plus 5G. We just can't. If you were going to try and snow somebody by uh, buzzwords. With buzzwords, what would the buzzwords be that you picked? Well, obviously, you're going to pick AI, and you're definitely going to pick 5G because that's a thing that everyone's talking about. Well, what else? What else? They're like, well, okay, those are, two, those are the two. Wait, but wait. then they're like, you know what? We did say that we were going to make panels here, so <laughs> let's just throw 8K in there. Can I just say one more thing? <laughs> That's what happened. Paul, I'm dying for your read on this, but can I say one more thing? At you the can end drive of again. all of this, the dude's like, Louis Wu, Louis Wu, who's the, the Fox Sun guy who's like in charge of the thing. He's like, actually, and by the way, the employment mix here, you know, if this, we were building one of our Chinese factories, I would say it's like 75% labor and then 25% engineers and managers. I would say right now we need 90% knowledge workers, engineers, and most of the actual work will be done by robots. So, like, this whole deal has flipped about right. Okay, what were you saying, Paul? AI 8K plus 5G. Okay, I, 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 yeah. I've got a few things. First, I'm going to explain what AI Are 8K you? plus 5G uh, could possibly it, mean. Yeah. Okay. Means you will be the first right. person well, in well, history well, to do well, so. <laughs> we'll do it in reverse. Okay, 5G. What do you get with 5G? You probably get low latency and you get high bandwidth, right? Okay, so you could possibly stream something around like a good 1080p, right? Then you use the AI (laughs) to upscale to 8K. Yeah, AI upscaler 8K. I got you. Right? We got to actually be clear, Paul. I don't know if that's quite right because it's AI 8K plus 5G. Uh That plus is important. Yeah. It's about AI 8K and then also 5G is in the mix. AI 8K is just you can plug your DVD player (laughs) into it and it's going to upscale to to 8K. 5G means that you also pay, you add a line to your Verizon plan. So basically what you're saying is that Foxconn in Neelai's hometown of Racine, Wisconsin, is building a giant $4.1 billion motion smoothing factory. No, it's $10 billion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to die. Crony capitalism Wait, is garbage. Wait, I haven't even gotten to the crony capitalism and, yet. And, and I hate it. The other th- I'd, I'd like to hear you guys' input on this, because this is something I always think about, like with especially with yeah, this yeah. environmental stuff, right? I understand that there's like sort of a, like I'm not in my backyard aspect, but like... It happens in somebody's backyard. Like we like technology products, but those technology products require, you know, mining of, you know, rare earth minerals and, you know, dumping, you know, sludge into uh, preschool playgrounds. Wow. And also, you know, there's a lot of side effects to uh, building technology. Sure. So, the, so one of the arguments is. Everyone says they want the iPhone built here. No one wants the pollution that China is willing to put up with. Uh, so the price of the Chinese economy is right. this like massive pollution that you see in that country. That's great. But to crony capitalism, I want to say two more things and I want to address the environmental thing. There are things we left out of this story because we just wanted to tell one story, right? The story was they wrote them a check for a generation 10.5 factory. And what they ended up with was the same check for AI 8K plus 5G. 
Motion so like, literally they made a buzz a buzzword factory yeah. instead of a factory. That's like that's that's all the more I really wanted people to get from this story because again the local papers they're doing good coverage, but I wanted to add it up for like the zoom out for the Verge audience and the, the bigger audience. But the stuff we left out, like that, this is stuff where you have to follow up on. So the state of Wisconsin, crony capitalism, declared the area Foxconn sits in like an enhanced manufacturing zone or something like that. Then they passed a law saying any company located in one of these enhanced zones, if they're sued, the only court of appeals in the entire state that can hear the case is the Wisconsin Supreme Court. And the decision, if they lose at like the district court level, is automatically stayed. It's like suspended until the court can hear the appeal. So fundamentally, the only court in Wisconsin, in this entire state of Wisconsin, that can deal with Foxconn is a Supreme Court. That's just insanity. Mm-hmm. No other company in Wisconsin has that problem. So that's one. Two. And that's only for Foxconn, or is there a literal geographic area that other companies could could enjoy this uh, privilege? As far as I know, it's only for We have to like follow up on it. But that's just like one of these things that came out. You know, yeah. like we publish a story, then people start telling us more stuff. So that's like the first one. Like, do you want uh, the state of Wisconsin to craft its laws around one company. That's, that's, uh, that's a little dicey, right? Second, Wisconsin, Scott Walker is running for re-election. He, has, he stopped talking about Foxconn because most people in the state thinks, think it's a bad deal. But he's out there promoting really low unemployment numbers in Wisconsin, as he should. Good job. Low unemployment in Wisconsin. Well, you got to add these like $13,000 jobs. Where are you going to get the people if everybody has a job? So Foxconn's like, we need to build a train from Chicago where all the engineers are so the people in Chicago can come to Wisconsin and work. So now they got to ask for like an Amtrak expansion. Nice. So that's like another one. We just got to go look into it. And then third, and this is in the story, but I don't think we hammered it enough. Other states in the region were competing for the steel because to make the LCD panels, you need the water from the lake. You need fresh water to like wash the panel. Uh-huh. And so Wisconsin just got played. Like John Kasich, who is a Republican governor of Ohio, was like, I would never pay this money to get this plant. Like, this is a bad way to do business. And so Wisconsin didn't use its leverage to extract the environmental protections they might want, to extract the money to recoup some of the thing, to say, actually, if you want to use the lake water, you have to do blah, blah, blah. They just wrote them a check, right? So I think that's to the, the environmental point you're making. If you do want this stuff, and you want Foxconn to be there, and you want manufacturing in America, well, then you should say, like, make these promises to us. And instead, the say Wisconsin did not. In literally my hometown. What I would like in the U.S. is, is a Shenzhen-style special economic zone. And it's like no rules, just right. And you'd have to hammer out some sort of environmental thing so that, yeah, they're going to maybe wreck the specific area, but it won't, you know, leak out to surrounding area. You know, like you can just have a an angry industrial zone <laughs> of of wild capitalism. And so because otherwise we're never going to make anything that is actually te- technologically advanced in the U.S. Because the only places that can do that are places that have far different rules than we do about employment, about taxes, and about environment. And that's kind of what Scott Walker tried to do in literally my hometown, right? He waved a bunch of rules, wrote a bunch of checks. Yeah, doing it in a a one-on-one sweetheart deal with one company is is gross. Anyway, uh, but Foxconn famously did this to the state of Pennsylvania. They promised India a bunch of investment. They didn't build a factory in India. So this is like a pattern. Also, uh, AI, AK plus 5G. Like, my friends from Wisconsin were like, we were wondering when you would wake up to AI 8K plus 5G. 
because it's just buzzword soup, and I don't think they know what they want to do. So we published a story that same day. Uh, you know, Fox Sun's executives are on some panel to talk about economic development in the region, and they're like, "We're surprised at this criticism. We thought people would roll out the red carpet for us." That's like that's where they're at. Like they own the state. Uh, they're also doing some in- insane thing with like the, there's a bunch of ginseng farmers in Wisconsin. This is true. This is a hundred percent true. And Foxon has a big ginseng processing business. So they're gonna like buy all the ginseng Whoa. farms in Wisconsin. That's just a thing that's underreported on. They've also signed a deal. So they're getting you know four point one billion dollars for the state, and so now they're paying it back in various ways, like spreading some of this money around. So they signed a hundred million dollar deal with the University of Wisconsin system, where they're going to share like patents and IP and inventions. But that deal, this is also true. The University of Wisconsin has like board of trustees, has an oversight process, has transparency rules. The deal with Foxconn, uh, uh, just not subject to any of those rules. All of it will be conducted in secret. Nice. Like it's just crazy. Great. So anyway, so I'm sorry that I ranted about Racine, Wisconsin. But, you know, you made my mom late. Wisconsin Valley. If you're from Foxconn and you're listening to this, I will be home for the week of Thanksgiving. Yeah. I would love to tour your magic factory. And I would love to hear what your letters mean. Yeah. That's great. On a positive note, the OnePlus 6T, which, by the way, I heard I was not reading tech news while I was on uh, vacation. And so someone was like, the OnePlus 16. And I was like, wow, I didn't know they were up to that high of a... Uh, (laughs) Anyways. The 6T is a flagship phone that is not a, a million dollars. Yeah. So, yeah it's so, like it's it's like it's still possible to make a, a, a relatively affordable flagship. The One, I'm really sad we don't have time to talk about the Red Phone, which is would also be positive because it's so bad. The thing about the 6T, very good review, and I, I think you're right that it basically counts as a flagship, but the camera is like, you know, meh. Yeah. But it has the in-screen fingerprint sensor, all that stuff. The... The question then becomes, how much is the Pixel's camera worth to you? And that's a, actually a surprisingly hard question because we're talking like in 400 my, bucks like, to get the 3XL. In my, in my case, the Pixel's camera was worth switching from iOS and having everybody be completely incapable of communicating with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of pain, but I think it's worth it. It's a real good camera. The Pixel also has a far better display. The Dan yeah. has the 60 here, and it's a beautiful phone, and uh, the notch design is good and all that. The display, it's just like rainbow colors when you get off-axis. It's just a thing that does Do you only look at your phone off-axis? I move my phone around my hand. So if you notice any amount of off-axis shift, like yeah. if you're in a car and the whole thing is like a rainbow spiral, like you're going to— That's yes, fair. I only look at my phone sideways. Okay. <laughs> all right, that's it. A happy note. 60s for everyone. Yay! AIA can play 6G. <laughs> Just letters, all, all all the letters. I'm so mad. The Foxconn people need to call me. That's all I'm saying. I'll go do the next story. Okay. I believe you. You're just mad that you weren't there with a shovel breaking ground with with all your buddies. He's he's looking at me like he wants me to wrap up, but I don't have the wrap. All oh, right, in here's front the wrap up. That was the show. It was wonderful. <laughs> uh, thank you both. We're, we we got to get this stuff. We got to review it. It's coming. I want you to listen to Why'd You Push That Button. I want you to listen to Recode Decode with Kara Swisher. I want you to listen to Pivot with Kara and Scott Galloway. We actually just met Scott Galloway walking into here. Lovely man. I want you to listen to Recode Media with Peter Coffey. Those are all wonderful shows. We noticed we've done the interview episodes. Next week, I got the CEO of Anchor, who is just the most excited person about USB-C I've ever met in my entire life. It's just, just it's coming on. And Neil has met me. Yeah, Steve Yang, uh, Stephen Yang from Anchor, CEO of Anchor. We talked about USB-C and its future and power delivery and what Anchor is doing. 
for 45 minutes. It's coming on Tuesday. Check it out. He's got more thoughts about USB-C than anybody. Uh, you know, we ship the world ships like three billion chargers in the boxes in like phone boxes and whatnot every every year. Yeah, we should stop doing that. Yeah, and here's a USB-C. It's yeah. a whole thing. His was it was like a religious experience when he told me this. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so that's coming next week. You can talk to us. I'm at Reckless. Dieter's at Backlon. Paul's at Future Paul. And you can also follow us on you know the social things and rate us on Apple Podcasts. That's it. Those are our chest. Rock and roll. Paul. Promo code. This episode of Vershast brought to you by Ericsson. 5G isn't just a step up from 4G, it's a game-changing advancement. It's 100 times faster than the ultra-reliable low-latency network. means it can connect more than phones and tablets. It connects everything. Imagine a jam session with band members miles apart in perfect sync. It's happening. Imagine an 8K entertainment system in your self-driving car that rivals your home theater. 5G will have the power to revolutionize existing industry models where you can create new ones. This is just a glimpse of what the future will look like with Ericsson and 5G. Find out how 5G will transform the world at ericsson.com. 5G. That's E R I C S S O N dot com slash 5G. I was waiting for you to say AI. Just slip it in there. Just sitting there.